Tonight on The Real Roundtable, we review Dennis Quaid and Martin Short's comedy, Interspace. And we try to convince you, the listener, that Interspace is worth the watch. Chris, roll tape. The Real Roundtable. I'm Ergo the Magnificent. I could turn you into shredded meat in about uh, three seconds with this baby if I wanted to. We're locked into the moon's gravitational pull. What do we do? We die. I don't kill men without good reason. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! Welcome to the Real Roundtable. I'm very, very pumped about talking tonight about Interspace. Interspace was a movie I loved when I was a, a kid. I remember when the previews came out. I was excited when it, I watched it on video. I saw it then. I saw it probably 10 years later, a few couple other times. I haven't seen it in years. And so for me to go back and watch this, it was uh, kind of refreshing. I'd forgotten a lot of things, watched it with my wife. And so we're excited about talking about it tonight. As always, I have uh, other host, Chris. Hey, hey. So we added a short synopsis to the podcast because maybe if you've not seen this movie, we want to give you a chance to, to hear what it's about, fully hear what it's about, and then decide. And if you've seen it already, then you know what it's about. So tonight, Brody, will you tell us all about the movie? Absolutely. Interspace is a fantastic example of ingenuity. A pilot that has been tasked to miniaturize himself in a pod and be injected into a rabbit. Uh, it's cutting edge technology. It's supposed to be. They're the, the the quickest, fastest, and everything goes awry when a privateer tries to come in and steal the technology. So the doctor runs away with the miniaturized Quaid and injects him into the rear end of a Martin Short. Hilarity ensues. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Martin Short goes by Jack Putter. And so the whole point is, is how does, how does Quaid's character get out of Martin Short's character? And, yeah. uh, and so they're very, they're polar opposites. The characters are, are polar opposites. Pendleton is Mr. Cool, Mr. Calm. He's supposed to be a pilot. But he's almost like a wannabe Top Gun kind of thing. Well, he like, is. He's the I thought, cocky, yeah. doesn't listen, doesn't obey, doesn't like the rules kind of that, pilot. I thought when I saw that his demeanor and the way he was acting and the way the movie was this miniaturized pilot and the way it was filmed and the time it was filmed. I just felt like I'm watching the weirdest hybrid between <laughs> Top Gun and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids I've ever. Exactly. This is bizarre. No, that's fair. That's <laughs> Even fair. with the Mustang. Cause you know, remember in Top, Top Gun, they had the what was it? Was it a Corvette? I can't remember what kind of car he had. All the pilots had Corvettes for a while, so I don't know. But you know, they had the big scene and the big to do about him having yeah. the fast sports car, and then you know, Quaid talks about like yeah. 
here's my Mustang, but careful, it's got 500 horsepower, you know, <laughs> 500 easy, horses. you know. Yeah, his character is very over the top and everything, which he was supposed to be an astronaut pilot. That's why he was going to be a test pilot for the astronaut program. They don't 100% say it, but it sounds like he got kicked out because washed out, washed out, you know, and, and probably they, because they, of his behavior issues. Yeah, either the drinking, he, this character drinks. Uh, he, he doesn't drink all the time, but he's, he's clearly got a drinking problem. When he does drink, he seems to drink in excess. So he, yeah. he's got issues that happen because of that. And so, and there's a, there's a character in, I can't remember the character's name, but there's a character in it that, that, that says that he's got a problem it's uh God, who is the the officer that's above him the ranks above him oh yeah, the one talk- that confronts him in the yes. kitchen yes. you're talking about the fed yes but and, and he's in it enough and everything but uh that guy over and over just clearly says hey this guy's he's not saying he's a loser but that's what he's saying he's saying he's a loser he's saying right? he's trouble he's trouble he's gonna be problems for you if yeah i guess i'm right because he's a good but he's gonna mess up things he's He's got to be on his own. He can't, which he can't which is that to sort of Top Gun? Yeah, you know he's a maverick. Yeah, he's like an ace at what he does, but he's unpredictable. Which you're right. I think they do this in so many movies back in the '80s where they have constant <laughs> these characters that are. Which that's not what this movie is. That's what's very neat about it because not, I heard not until Trading Spaces do they not, is it Trading Spaces Trading, trading places. places Trading yeah, places, places where they have these right. two actors. Who it becomes a buddy cop film, right, and everything, and that's that was the very first one that everybody talks about. That was the buddy cop because a lot of movies before that it was always a single person doing everything. Do you know what that's called? I heard this term uh, no, go ahead. for the first time when researching the movie afterward. So that's called high concept, and so high concept was the way movies were sold to the studios back in the eighties. It was like what it was what they were looking for. They were looking for new novel ideas that were going to sell the film. So whether it was like, what was the dynamic in Lethal Weapon? The the, the drunk, uh, the washed up cop with the... Riggs. Yeah, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. Yeah, Lethal yeah. Weapon. And I'm sorry, I said Trading Places. It's 48 hours. Oh, well, Trading Places was, was one too. Trading Places is a little bit different though, but yes. Yeah, it's just a novel idea where you have a comic... Or well, you have a serious pilot. You have a serious character on one side. You got more right. comedic character and on the other, and you put right. it in. Yeah, it's a rush hour. Yeah, right. It's that sort of, and it moved into the '90s too. But it's you, you take these diametrically opposed people and you pair them together into the plot. Yes, right. And the the more crazy you can make that, the studios were like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, and I think this is probably maybe one of the craziest of all because Dennis Quaid at that time. And even to the now, I mean, he's looked at usually as the tough guy. Even if he's old, he's grizzled. He's still, he's, he, I mean, he was in the Davy Crockett movie. What was the Alamo? He was in the Alamo, did a really good job there. So, over, I mean, he, that's his role always is that guy. Martin Short is always the comedian, you know? Yeah. And so he's always funny. And so, but if you want to see Dennis Quaid as cut loose as you really ever see him, like he, he was really, uh, you know, we say he was the serious pilot, um, but he plays really well in this comic blend. Yeah, I don't want to say he was serious. I, I would say because he's so they're serious and arrogant, like like the Tom Cruise is kind of yeah, like you're that. Right, you're right. But then there's there's that cocky, but man, he just laughs at himself, and he's never going to get worried. And we never see him worried in this. Like even when it, he's clearly close to death, yeah, and he's still making jokes and and you know yep. basically having a good time. So he's. He's that kind of guy that you want on an adventure. Unshakable. Yeah, unshakable. Yeah. He's fine and everything. 
So, so yeah, he's great. And, but he's, and then to say the polar opposite again is Martin Short. Martin Short is scared of his own shadow, right? I mean, you know, he's never done anything outside of his, what his comfort zone. He probably goes home and just chills. There's a girl in the movie and he's not, he's very put together. Yes. Yeah. And there's this girl that, that everybody else in the store apparently has dated and he has not dated her. Like, and he wants to go out with her, but she just keeps telling her no. And, and he just has no confidence. I mean, she he's going to the doctor all the time. Them. Yeah, that's true. I'm trying to be, she tried, <laughs> I was trying to be family friendly. He was, they were trying to date and she hadn't tried to date any of the others. Yeah. There was, and it's a line that she talks about. Okay. So it's not, it's there not were like bits we in this it. movie that weren't family. Friendly. Yes. We see uh just so you know, just a shout out really quick. Just so you know, uh, there's a, uh, or spoiler or whatever, uh, Dennis Quaid's rear is shown in the first 10 minutes of this movie. Yes. Okay. And so, uh, and it's done in comedic timing. And so it's not, I'm not saying it's not a funny scene, but yes, just realize that even though this is a PG 13 movie, that's, I think that's, that was the, end. I don't really remember a lot of cussing or anything outside of that, but I do remember that part. All right. Let's talk about the cast though. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. fact that you've got Quaid, you've got uh short and you get, well, Meg Ryan. Yes. I mean, it's got a good cast. Well, when I started the film and I started seeing the, the opening credits, I was like, I thought we were picking like films that weren't that popular. Cause I was like, this is a super cast, right? It's a super cast, and then produced by Spielberg. I yeah. was like, how how is this how is this not on the A plus list, right? Well, and part of that is the fact that it didn't do huge for what they thought. It was advertised terrible. I mean, uh, reading some of the stuff I read about it, Joe Dante, the guy that directed it, he said, "Man, they did not know how to market this. They didn't know what they were doing." They would come to him and want to change things. And he was like, no, that's not what this is. Matter of fact, one of the cool things about this was when Joe Dante really first got the script, he said, no, I don't want this because it was a fantastic voyage or whatever the 1960s one where they go inside the human body. He was like, I don't want that because it would have been serious characters. Everybody was serious. He's like, I don't want that. I don't want a totally different film. Yeah, it was a totally different film. Joe Dante, Joe Dante uh, directed Gremlins. He directed The Howling, which was probably a serious movie, but he directed a few other things, and there's usually a comic element to it. So this is like one of the ultimate comics for him. And so he, when they came back and said, this is what we're looking at, and this was this is the line, and I didn't read this. I never knew this as a kid. I don't know if I'd appreciate it, but they said, what if you took Dean Martin and injected him into Jerry Lewis? And I was like, oh, my, that's exactly it. That's what they did. They took Mr. Cool and they put him into one of the greatest physical comedians this world's ever known. Martin Short is phenomenal. I thought Martin Short was great. He was really, really funny. I, I don't think I really appreciated Martin Short before I'd seen this film. I really don't. I, I hadn't seen him a lot, a lot, you know. But I don't know. What all is he in? Like, is he... He's in a lot of comedy. Like, right. slapstick comedies. Like, I would almost put him as a tolerable Polly Shore. Yeah, I mean, he's not as crazy, and his movies aren't as goofy. But, I mean, it's very slapstick over the top. Yeah, he's not as whiny. I like Martin Short. I like he's, him, too. I like his expressions and his the way he vocalizes and everything. I think this is one of the best roles he had because he grows so much in this movie. I mean, and, and you're able to see such a wide range of emotions. And he gets to play this hero, even though he's not the love interest. He still gets to kiss the girl. And so there's so many things that happen through this that show and shine on what he's able to do. His other big role, huge role, was he played in Three Amigos, okay? Oh, yeah. Right. And in Three Amigos, he's phenomenal. Which I've he's, never seen. 
which yeah, that, we, we need you to see that because his role is, it's one of my favorite roles he ever does. Cause he's so Ned Nederlander. Is something. it something like that? Yeah, yeah. And everything. And so he's this crazy character. And, uh, and so in this one, and, and I think he was like 37 when he filmed this, he just got such good physical comedy. He does such a good job with it. Uh, me and my wife, as we talked about this, I was like, can you think of anybody else that could have done like, I look at I look at uh, Dennis Quaid. I'm like, there's probably a couple other people that could have pulled off that role and done a good job. Now he's got that million dollar smile. Okay, I mean that's that's Dennis Quaid Which does a really good job. Martin Short does not have. Which Martin Short does not. Have. That's exactly right. But I think he fully nobody else. That. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think anybody else could have done the physical humor except for maybe one guy. And that's Steve Martin. I think that's the only guy that could have maybe done the they're physical. Like best buds, and they're best buds. Oh, okay, yeah. and they're so really, they're really, but. Even then, I don't think as much as I think Steve Martin could have done the physical. I think this was Martin Short. I don't know if anybody could have done it to the what Martin Short did. I mean, he is he is just an awesome character. And it was funny when that when they talked to Dante, they were like, "We don't want Martin Short because he doesn't look good enough for this or something stupid like that." And I'm like, "What does that matter for that role? Right. Like, what does it matter for that role? Yeah. What he's doing?" Well, then bringing Steve Martin, I I don't know that Steve Martin could have played the beginning of his character as believable the the hypochondriac always sick yes i don't know that steve martin could have really brought that across and ended up where he was at the end i don't think it would have been as believable yeah i agree I, again I, th I just think it's one of those things and I, and I was even thinking about now comedians i mean who could do that now and because there's been physical comedians but jim carrey is about the most physical comedian i think is out there because he can he has no skeleton he does he i'm does. convinced yeah. he has no skeleton <laughs> but i still don't think i don't i think martin short just he had that heart like the whole time yeah, you, absolutely you really like him yeah you know some of the insanity and you know, he's best friends with his doctor all right i mean that's that's so crazy but it's just about believable in this movie because i don't know i've met people that are that hypochondriacs not to that level, but I've met people like that. And you're like, good gosh, just live. You know, like just, you're fine. Everything is, yes. and I get it. Yeah. But he's he's genuine. He seems like a genuine person, like a good person in, in this movie. And that's what I liked about it. You know, he does quite a bit. But throughout the whole thing, you could tell, like, he really is just trying to stay good and get stuff done. <laughs> he's like, but my life is falling apart. I'm crazy. And yeah. I think one of the things with these roles, both of these roles, they they don't even interact with each other till the very end of the movie. They don't see each other like personally. Right. You know? And so all of this is voiceover by Dennis Quaid or video of him and then Martin Short doing stuff. And so the interaction between these two also is very well done that like they look like they could have been best friends that normally wouldn't be friends. To me, the connector though is Ryan. I don't know if anybody could have, I mean, Meg Ryan, I, I was in love with her when I watched this as a kid, she was gorgeous. She was awesome in this. She was believable. I mean, everything about her, like, you know, so we talk about the stars in this movie and yeah, those three are great. And you keep going down through there and everybody does a good job. Even the guy that never says anything, the villain, Mr. Ego. Mm -hmm. I mean, he never says a word and he's phenomenal in that role. Right. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's really good. I, I didn't really like the cowboy. I didn't. I didn't find that character to be interesting or funny, or that was the only one that I really found issue with. I I see that. I think they went. They were trying to make him be the fence for this technology that was stolen, and I think that they were just trying to come up with a nickname for that entity. 
you know, right. because being fr- that she was with the press, it was just, hey, look, the, the Cowboys in. So, right. you know, something's going down. They could have not cheesed it up, though. Well, as a comedy, they threw in stuff that that just to make the movie fully fit together. So they threw the cowboy in so that she would know who the cowboy was, even though the audience would have never, never have an idea. Now, when but, he's singing in front of the mirror, I give that man props. Did you listen to the lyrics? No. He's like, I'm a cowboy, but I don't know how to hog tie. I don't, I've never seen a cow. I'm, I mean, he goes through everything. You didn't hear that? No, I didn't. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, it's phenomenal. The whole song is about how he's a fake cowboy. How he can't do anything cowboys do. They picked him, I think, because he could look close to, and both of those two could look kind of like each other in certain ways and do some of the mimicking. And a uh, matter of fact, one of the things that's very interesting is even though Martin Short disguises his voice right the front, right when he comes out to talk to her, Meg Ryan's character, when they're actually in the, the sales part where they're trying to sell, that's that guy's voice. That's not Martin Short's voice because he was able to kind of change his voice around. So I disagree with y'all. I think he was, for the, because it's a comedy, I think he was perfect for this role to play that over-the-top insanity that he did. And that's why they did it. And this guy, what we're talking about, I'm not even sure if do we even have the guy. Well, Rickard, Robert Picardo. He was Picardo. on Star Trek. I don't know why he was on Star Trek, but my wife recognized him right off. She's like, oh, yeah, he was on Star Trek. And so apparently he's had a pretty big role. So I'm not saying that, that you got to believe that, but I thought I, th- I thought it was insanity. But everything on this, this movie is over the top. Every single character is over the top. The only one that's not over the top is probably Ozzie Wexler, the scientist that, that saves mm-hmm. – yeah. And runs around, which that guy had never done a film before. He'd, he'd been cinematography for people, but he had never actually been. That was his first role. And I was like, that's a pretty good role to do because you got to act a little bit and then you got to run, run, yeah. run, run. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I, I even liked uh, the Kathleen Freeman with the crazy hair and makeup and the grocery store line. Yes. yes. She is hilarious. <laughs> yes. But, what was she in? She was in uh, Blues Brothers. She's the, uh, the nun in Blues Brothers. I didn't recognize her, so. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, I did. But, I mean, not from, like, a major part, but. Yeah, she's always been inside movies and, or, like, side character movies but, and everything. But she's always great. And she always looks oh, yeah, and angry. But even beyond the cast, if, you, you know, you've, you've got, Joe Dante's good, but. Yeah. Also, Dennis Murin. He's the special effects guy. Oh, okay. He did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, he did a ton. He did The Abyss, Terminator 2, E.T., Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. Yeah. He's done so much. And. That's actually the only win this movie has in yeah. Academy Awards is the special effects because of him. This, I mean, this they put movie the team, should have been but, a hit. Like it, it was, it had everything it needed. Well, and you, the special effects. Let's talk about that. Since we jump into that, let's just talk about that. Do those hold up still? Yeah, I mean, for the most part. For the most part. Yeah, I'm not saying. I mean, you can tell the ship looks like it's the, put in there. The the half the half size people scenes were a little. Yeah, I get that, but. The face change, pretty fake looking. But when he freaks out and his face is that was turning really back yeah, to Martin really Short, yes. I thought, man, that's yeah, yeah that was that was pretty Especially good. Especially that last one, I was like, what is he? Did he by chance do Total Recall? Into an ape or something? Right? I don't know. For eight for a nineteen eighty seven movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think I think special effects. I mean, honestly, props just, to them. It might be worth watching just to see that that it, because they didn't have and something I read, they didn't have the ability to do insane stuff. And so when you see them in this chase scene where they're in the back of a truck and they're trying to escape. Uh, Martin Short's trying to escape from the back of a truck. Such he has to jump scene. onto a Mustang and uh, they do a good job enough that you see his face. So, okay. It looks like him. And you clearly it's gotta be 
stump people, but they do a great job. That Are you this saying is Martin action. Short can't actually go from a truck to a Mustang? I assure you, Meg Ryan wasn't driving. Yeah, Meg Ryan's not really driving either. So. And balance on the windshield. Okay, now let's go back to it should have been a hit. Yes. Now, 87 is very similar to 84. Okay, yeah. just hit Beverly Hills Cop 2, Platoon, Fail Attraction, The Untouchables, Three Men and a Baby, uh, Lethal Weapon, Predator, Dragnet, La Bamba, Crocodile Dundee, Robocop, well, Dirty Dancing, Full Metal Jacket, I mean, Mannequin, Roxanne, Spaceballs, Golden Child. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and this was only given a three-week run in the box office. What was in the box office when it came out? I remember... Uh it was it was Adventures in Babysit, wasn't it? Adventures no, in that was it was another one. It had been running for two weeks already. Mm, I'm not sure. Was Fine. it Spaceballs? I'm looking. Oh. So Chris looked it up, and he's saying that it was Spaceballs and uh, Dragnet that both came out a couple weeks before this came. And what was the other one? And Full Metal Jacket and came out the same Jacket. time that Dragnet did. Yeah, and then the same day that Interspace was released, Adventures in Babysitting was released. Yeah. Okay. Now that being said, with a th- Three week run yeah, so you're against right. those. It, it had it had a bit of a battle, plus the marketing issues you mentioned too. So the marketing issue because think about that poster. I don't know if you've looked at the poster. If you're a listener, check out the poster on this. It's worth. It is a at. terrible poster because I I was sitting there thinking I was like I remember that poster as a kid, and until we watched this this time, I didn't know what that poster was. Like I never really paid attention. I was just like, oh okay, you know, I I didn't yeah. know what it was, and. uh it looks kind of just like a generic background yeah, poster. Yeah. But. And so, well, which poster are you talking about? Because they changed it. I didn't know there was an original. The first, the one I'm talking about is the thumbs and the finger. And the okay, that's the first one. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so it's a it's a you can't really tell. It's two thumbs holding the little ship that right. that Dennis Quaid is riding in, and but because it's so small, you just see two thumbs and a speck in the middle, and you don't really know what the ship is. It doesn't explain it. And then they changed it to what the the face of Quaid and yeah, it's it's much more of a montage looking right thing. It is surprising Adventures of Babysitting beat this, and I love Adventures of Babysitting. We that's actually on our list is one of the movies that we might look at in the future. But uh, Adventures in Babysitting, the the who would be looking at that film and who'd be going after that film? It seems like Interspace has a lot more people that would want to jump and watch this film. Right. I mean, you've well, got like- the star actor, you've got Martin Short, and you've got comedy, and you've got actor. You know, and I think both of them. I mean, Dennis Quaid at that time, I know that he had made uh, Jaws Free, which is terrible, but he still was an action star already by that time. So, well, that being said, okay, so Interspace and Adventures came out at the same time, but within the next two weeks, you had Jaws Four come out and RoboCop on the seventeenth. So you're talking two weeks that after was they were one released. Heck of a summer. That is. But again, what usually kills you, Dragnet's the one that's probably killed it, okay? Because Dragnet did a lot of business. And so what usually kills you if you're coming out with a film from what I've seen, and I worked in a theater for years, and so it seemed to be, is if you have a huge movie come out, it'll overtake other movies that might come out after it because everybody's going to see that word of mouth. They're like that. And they're, and people, some people go to every, every well, week a, to see a movie. It was but, money too. Yeah. You know, but I'm just thinking if you're going to see a movie it, and everybody was talking about Dragnet and when, and you go back and you watch. Well, Predator was still out. Again, I don't understand how Dragnet did as well. Looking back, I'm like, this is insane because I don't think it's a great film. I don't know if it holds the up. The Witches of it. Eastwick well, beat that Dragnet. One had, no, it beat Dragnet. That one had uh, 
Jack Nicholson, though, right? I think that's that was a popular draw. So I don't know. This we can, is we can all sit there and argue. To me. <laughs> yeah, right. We can argue about it. It's just it doesn't these. make sense except for it, it, it. And we keep saying this, but it, from everything Dante said, was it was the fact that they didn't market this well. They didn't know how to market. Yeah. They didn't know what to do. And honestly, it probably wasn't a big deal to them. And so maybe that was not what they did it. So they they messed up. And according to the, to I don't understand how they messed it up. It doesn't seem like that difficult of a thing to market to me. Well, they got to spend money on it, and they got to decide what they're going to spend money on. And maybe, and look, Dante said this. He said we would take this and we'd show it to him. And some of the, some of these people, and I've seen this in a lot of the movies, talking about they take it to the uh, to show it to their the, the producers or to the big wigs at the studio, and they didn't want to change things because they want to have some voice in it. Okay, and so they wouldn't think it was as funny as it could be. And so maybe maybe that was part of it. But again, if you watch this film, you will laugh. I mean, maybe I don't know what your ratings are on it, but but you had to laugh some of this movies, right? I mean, both of you had to laugh and everything because there's a lot of funny scenes in this movie. There's a lot of funny things that happen. So again, if think if they would have put some money toward this I, and, and had a longer run in the three weeks, I think this movie would have probably made better. And then honestly, we said this. There was a ton of movies that came out in those two months. Maybe it was just put in the wrong spot, the wrong time. If it would have put it a little bit later, but eighty four and eighty seven are two huge years for tons of good films coming out, and so a lot of them got pushed to the side. So I mean, we can talk about all that, but I mean, it's give it a chance, get, watch it, you know, and, and you see, you see if it holds up compared to some of these other ones, especially if you love Predator, if you love if you love Dragnet, which you might like it. I'm not saying I didn't like it, but this is a better movie to me. Go ahead. I really liked the ingenuity behind all the things they did in the body. You know, when he was first injected into Jack Putter's rear end, you know, he didn't know what he was looking at. And then he said, Oh, that's probably fat cells, you know, and they had these two big, or they had these big, um, bulbous things there that were, uh, which turns out, um, they'd use balloons. Oh, I didn't realize that. Hmm. But um, and the way they found different ways to put him to scale inside of a human body mm. uh, were really cool to me. And all the different places he would go and laser his way, you know. I, I agree. I mean, the way that okay, so he attaches something to the to the retina, right? Yeah, and, he links up with the optical nerve, and or he whatever. puts a, a yeah a clamp in the middle ear yeah. so he can hear. What people are saying. I mean, it's it's and when, neat when that they his blood pressure that. or uh, heart rate gets too high, he's getting like flushed through the veins. Yes. He can't maintain course and traveling through the body. It's like it's like the adult version of the magic school bus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It's like Miss Frizzle takes her class down through the aorta, but it was just way better. Well, and they even had the computer simulate mapping out a path to get to yeah. things. I, I thought using- that was a little bit silly. Only because they had it programmed for a rabbit. This thing, that I guess they said it was sort of re-lowering its parameters. Yeah. You yeah, know? It would make adjustments. But there isn't consistency there, in my opinion, because it had parameters to rearrange a human face into another human face. And he's like, oh, is that guy a five or a six? It was already, <laughs> it, it was a little bit, you gave it a little bit too much power. Yes. Right. Never mind but that we have the technology to shrink this ship. It does crush the story if you don't give it that power. Yeah. Well, and they have a couple of errors. Another error on that is the fact that apparently if you kiss somebody, you automatically get transferred to the next person. Yeah. There's a part where Jack and Lydia are captured by the bad guys. And so they're inside a, a dungeon 
And so there's been this 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 buildup the whole time that Jack really wants to kiss Lydia, which pretty much all the characters in the movie would love to kiss Lydia because <laughs> she's very pretty. And so there's this moment where he wants to kiss her. And so Jack's like, okay, you got to turn yourself off, Tuck. Turn your turn yourself off and everything because he wants to kiss her. Well, in that moment, Tuck, Tuck is good. He turns it off, lets Jack kiss her. Jack kisses her. And Tuck gets switched over to the to Lydia's body, right? So through saliva. which is a very big part of this movie. That's what's my problem is he always knew where he was. Why did he? How was he in the saliva? I don't get it. Well, did I miss something? I feel no, like I, I, didn't no, I think this is an error. On this they film. skipped. They skipped where he was. But it didn't matter where he was at. It, that's the insane part. He if they kiss, it just sent him over there. Like it was, it's an error in this film. I, I think. Okay. I think no, I mean, if okay. they had said like he was hanging was out in saliva glands or something, but not only did it, it was like okay, we kissed briefly. You're now in Lydia, and all of a sudden he's in the womb. Yes. Yeah. I agree. It's insane. Okay. And this is an error in the film. But they they do this. I think the the in between is probably on the cutting room floor somewhere. So there so. is no way to resolve this. Uh, okay, this is my look. There's some errors in this film. The and baby I, if we're gonna was get a into big it, hang up of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when it happened, it was big enough that it's it interrupted my enjoyment of the film because I was totally distracted with like that. Doesn't make sense. I can't follow this. It doesn't make sense. And then all you have to do is kiss again, and you're back over there. You yeah. Know, yeah. And so. From the womb. Like, yes. I don't think they, maybe they didn't take anatomy. <laughs> maybe when they made this movie, they went, you know what? We're just going to make the human body what we want it to be. Yeah. I, We're just going to put the baby in the back bizarre. of the throat. <laughs> I, I think this was made, I think, honestly, when they did it, they were like, you know what? How many doctors are going to watch this? <laughs> Not many. Okay, let's roll it. You well, know. yeah, but let's, you know, how many fifth graders going to watch it and go, <laughs> I know the fetus isn't in the mouth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> come on. Well, why did you work so hard at making your fat cells look accurate then? It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of balloons, man. I have to admit, as I watched it this time, it was it was a little bit discouraging seeing some of the mistakes that happened. And this is not only the mistake, but look, can I tell you my biggest problem? That's not it. It should be. You're y'all, you guys are right. I'm going to tell you my biggest, and I'm going to kind of we're going to the very end of the film here. I'm gonna, I want to talk about the wedding. Okay, in the yeah. end, Tuck and uh, Lydia get married. Okay, so it just kind of shows the end of a wedding. Guess who's at the wedding? Well, Jack's at the wedding, and that makes sense. Jack could save Tuck's life. They're buddies. They're buddies. I can get that. But everybody else we saw at that wedding. Were people that were friends with Jack. <laughs> None of them friends with with Tuck. I there, didn't catch that. There's so many like the yeah. doctors there. Like, why is the doctor there? The only time he's he's never seen Jack. I mean, he's never seen Tuck. The only time he, Tuck's seen him. Now, there uh, the, the, some of the scientists and government people were, were okay. there. Yeah, but we don't see a lot of them. We see we see Jack's buddies who have nothing to do yeah, with Tuck. The floozy from the, the grocery yeah, the, store was yeah, there, and and the hey, supermarket manager. The manager, yeah, he sees there. You know, and it was all there for just that one part where he can say. I'm done with the doctor. No way I'm going to date you, that girl. And then I'm going to quit because he's he doesn't need that job no more. He gets he his confidence. He's ready. I, he I, sheds that hypochondria. Yes. He's fine. He's finally fine. I think it's hilarious because he looks at one of the scientists and he says, he said, that was the cowboy. That was the cowboy because apparently the cowboy had, had, had got their luggage and and in the moment he says this, how do you not recognize the person instantly that yes, your face changed one, to be? Yes. You should have seen it. But he tells the scientist this. And the scientists be like, that was the cowboy? Oh, my gosh. I know the story, too. Let me go get the cops. No, there's none of that. He Nobody else helps. There. Nobody else helps. Jack goes and jumps in the Corvette. And it's up to him. Yes. And he's <laughs> excited as can be because that's how the story ends. Now, again, also, why? Why are the chips 
on the cufflinks. <laughs> yes. If you lock yes. them into Fort Knox after they've already tried to steal them from you. I guess that's to show that the program's been shut down. I, I get it. Everybody needs a souvenir, okay? No, they're top secret. You can't just wear them wherever you want. I didn't say you should do that. I'm just saying that was the insanity they put in. Like, oh, everybody <laughs> always gets a souvenir. Yeah, but you don't steal the Tuck $10 million. Tuck doesn't like rules. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we know this. Tuck does not like rules. Come on, guys. His, yeah, that's true. He's a, he's <laughs> How about the fact that they were having a wedding, she's pregnant, not showing, and it happened like the next day. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay? and I mean, I'm watching it, and I said, wait a minute. She's not showing. Oh, I didn't see that. That's awesome. She, she's pregnant. All these people are here. This has to be like that week. Like they just, they got back and it was like, yeah, yeah. Good, good health check. Caught up on the, you know, the cable bill and everything. Let's go get married. In fact, they, he says, thanks for the cruise tickets. Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, okay, so, you know, point. it had been a short Because he had bought just to go straight. Yes. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I didn't see that. Yeah. So there's a lot of insanity here, which it's with a comedy. And it's a movie. I, I think that that one line was poorly written when they're in the limo after the wedding. And he says, no one even noticed my company. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that was so out of place. That's obviously what I would have said yeah. to my bride. Yeah. As soon as we got away from public. Jump into another part that's insane in this movie is the part of the scientist running away after he steals the needle. He's the only one that's not knocked out by the 10 bad guys who have that yeah, knockout with bear power. mace. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it knocks them out completely or they get punched in the face. And you knew they were the bad guys at the moment. Yes. You know, like, they're the bad guys. So the scientist pops out of nowhere. Like, how did you not see him? Anytime you're in a movie and someone goes in, I'm from the phone company. <laughs> yeah. yeah the phone company. But if you're yeah. going to throw on a gas mask and hose him down, why show up as a phone company in the first place? <laughs> yes. Why give him an opportunity to call and verify yeah, that you're from I the phone company? I think your costumes were unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You, at least all of you didn't need the costumes. Maybe the first guy, but not the rest of them as you walk in and knock everybody out. Anyway. They've got 10 bad guys in this. They've got all these. they got numerous bad guys. They all come in there, knock out everybody, except for this one scientist who does a good job, I think. And all of a sudden, he pops up and just looks at him, and then he just takes off running. And he's able to escape. And none of them go after him. And knocks one of the bad guys out. Does he? Okay. Like, he knocks, he, he pushes him, like, over a railing That's or right, something on yeah. his way out. Like, <laughs> oh, you're not getting me with that spray. But, yeah, and so nobody gets it. And they don't even, like, I was like, every one of those guys look like they're better physically fit than this guy. Any of y'all could catch up to him and knock him out. But no, they go on this insane chase. I was, because originally when I was thinking about this, when I saw as a kid, I thought, oh yeah, the chase is basically, apparently the science lab is right beside a mall. The, the mall. That's not the case. <laughs> he gets, he runs, he finds a bike, he runs through neighborhoods. I mean, this is this long drawn out yeah. chase scene. Well, and kiddo saw problems with the chase scene. Did oh, really? Yeah. So I was watching with kiddo and he's, yeah. And, and he gets on a bike because, you know, that's the thing. And he's running and the car's coming after him. He stops and what jumps over the fence and dangles and then jumps back over the fence. Yes. Yes. Okay. But then he immediately goes straight into the woods from there. Straight in the grass. Which yeah. Is, it's just up just a little bit. Yeah. But, and Kiddo's like, why didn't he just do that in the first place? Why did he <laughs> yeah. like sling himself over a fence to sling himself back and then yeah. go into the grass? Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, all those things that happened and everything. And then they get caught by this guy who has a gun. I knew when that hand. scientist dude took off running, I was like, nope, you're way too scrawny for this chase. You're going <laughs> to die. 
I was thinking, you're going to hand that gaming cartridge to a kid. <laughs> he makes a good point. If you go back to our third podcast, we talk about Cloak and Dagger. And, and here's the thing I think about this. Cloak and Dagger at the scene, the, the, the scientist gets killed. That scene was way too short for the moment it happens i felt like this one was way too long they, they both need to come together and, and be in that middle ground between <laughs> them and not be insane if that makes sense and so yeah. so i think that's one of the issues of course there is comedic time and i guess with this guy dying they make sure it's a funny moment i mean it's just insane how they make it kind of funny in all these things and then he just dies and, and so how about all the furries that surround him when he dies have you ever been to a mall that had so many people dressed up as animals when the scientist dies they've got like a penguin, a squirrel. Like oh. They're all costumed furry creatures that surround and, and hold this doctor. I'm like, I've never been to that mall. <laughs> to, to answer that, I've never seen anybody dressed up yeah. except for <laughs> Easter or Christmas. That's it. it. Halloween, Halloween Zoo weekend. Yes. I was like, what is going on? At first, I thought the penguin was a nun. I don't know if I've seen that many balloons. Because then it wasn't There it, were a lot of balloons. The penguin was handing out balloons. Yes. And I think the penguin handed it out to two nuns when they first go in the mall. It was a bizarre mall. So there's a lot of insane parts in here. We talked a little bit about the the, the two bad guys get the two main bad guys get sh- shrink down. We haven't talked about the the bad guy. There's one bad guy that we talked a little bit about. He never speaks, and so he goes inside the body. That's a pretty cool scene. I feel like with him fighting against uh, Dennis Quaid's character, and so they, they have to fight each other right. inside the body. They have to think about how to do this. I had another problem with that too. <laughs> well, what's your problem with that? Because bring it on, Chris. <laughs> so. They didn't know in the beginning. They were just going to steal the chips, right? Right. That was the goal. They just wanted the chips. And they only ended up with... So they just happened to steal the chips at the moment where one chip was inside the miniature. Right. Right? Okay. But they specially built an attack miniature ship pre-theft? Yeah, absolutely. So they already had this like attack ship... Ready to go. I'm ready be, to go. It'd be illogical not to, Chris. Attached <laughs> with lasers and saw blades so that it could slaughter things as it was miniature. Instead because they needed research. to go inside and rescue a chip. Well, so I, instead of doing research, it's an attack. I don't know. Maybe that was because they've referred a couple of times in the movie to it's the miniaturizations used during espionage that it was a, a weapon. Maybe, but well, they don't like clearly reference it. But they still need that. that need, they needed that. There's two things they have to have. One's that that goes inside the vehicle that gets miniaturized, right? One so that you can be enlarged, enlarged, right? yes. And then the other one is the one that's on the outside to to make it happen. If that makes sense to you as a listener. But my question is that one that got shrunk. It's not got that thing to make it large again. So that means it has to steal it from the other ship, right? Yes. Which, that's kind of insane too, right? I mean, how is he going to get that when he's just trying to kill the guy and destroy it? I mean, was he? Able, how was he going to attach it to his his spacesuit? So, how is he going to get it off the well, ship? Well, he has a re- he get on the ship and then re- reset it to him. Oh, yeah, so. I, don't, I don't know. I, so I think, again, we can take a lot of problems, and I think it's like, <laughs> okay, how do we get somebody in there and how do we kill this bad guy? Yeah. Now, that being said, people? though, the movie is a movie and you have to, you have to accept some of yes. that because even modern yes. movies are real, you know, are more I like larger talking budgets. about the flaws, but... But those, right. to me, don't take away from the, which story. I, from the story, which I know we're getting to ratings in just a second. But the the fact that these little things come up, it's almost comical in itself. Because yeah. when I was watching, I was like, are you kidding? And yeah. I'm laughing at some of these mistakes. Yeah. Going, are you kidding me? The only one that took away from the story for me was the womb thing 
it, <laughs> it was too distracting. Yeah, that, that one didn't take for me. The, the kiss kind of the thing. It's like, okay, you just kiss and it changes. And then the other one was, and it was just funny. It was like. And the baby who, wasn't even necessary. I, you could just say. They well, just how fell are they going to have love. a shotgun wedding without a, without a fetus? Just, I thought the married? baby was, I thought it, cause all of a sudden it, it, everything, Jack was always, not Jack, T- Tuck was always fighting for himself. And all of a sudden it kind of changed his mentality. You can see it in his mind. Okay. I've got something bigger than me. You know, I've got to get back. I got to protect her. I got to do all these things. So. But as Chris said, it, it did not affect anything in the movie though. He might've had that thought in his head different, but what did he do different? And what, no, I don't think it changed. It wouldn't anything. have cost the movie that much. No, but I think to watch the movie, people wanted that. I think the romantic people. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, this was a one of the things they're always going to add to movies is to make it for that crowd that's watching for the romance. And so, of course, her, him having being a father, becoming a father for the first time, I think that was maybe that was what that was just to do it again. I don't think they should. I, I I agree with y'all. I don't think they had to add it or anything like that. I think it takes away from some of it just because it just adds more layers to it. Well, and it didn't work. It was. Yeah, clearly. It was it, it was advertised. It was advertised as an action. It was up against Adventures in Babysitting, which was advertised as a, as a comedy, which I would swap both of those. If, if I mean, <laughs> it would almost be more accurate to swap them. But as far as I don't think it's accurate. I think they're both comedy adventures. They're comedy adventures. Okay, yeah, we but, can, you know, that's it. It's, ever, but they're both comedies. I know how you love hyphens, so we'll just call it that. Uh, <laughs> I think. I think you know because I watched both of them. There's both of them you laugh a whole bunch at. Um, yeah. But they, they do take you on an adventure. You adventure know. family film. Yeah, adventure family. Both of them are adventure family. Now, that being said, the last thing I like, I'd like to bring up is the money. The fact that, well, this one is actually showing two different gross numbers on different sites I usually reference. But uh, showing $25.9 million or $19.8 million, both of them pretty dismal, when I'm showing a budget of $27 million. Yeah, that's what I've got. So... It, it lost money, but again, there was some really big hits out there. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that it didn't make more than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised it didn't break even at least. Well, that being said, let's rate it, and then I'll help us understand, help our listeners understand why we think this should have made more money. So we'll start with uh, – I'm, I'm going to go this time. I'm gonna go with, I'll, I'll go first because I don't think I usually go first. Do I? I don't think I go first. So I'll go first this time. I had a hard time with this because if I would have seen this as a kid, I thought this was a nine out of nine. Okay. I thought it was a phenomenal movie. I thought it was terrific, terrific, terrific. And so going back and watching it now, I was like, okay, I see some of the problems. I don't think the comedy, I think the comedy is still, there's a lot of funny stuff to it. I think all the, all the actors are great. And I still found myself getting a little bored through the movie. I couldn't believe it. I was actually a little bit bored and I don't know what was wrong. I don't know what it was, but I was usually, I don't do this, but I was looking at my phone a little bit. So I'm gonna, I'm not gonna kill it. I think it does a ton of good stuff, but I'd probably give it a seven. But I'm so close to a six, it's unbelievable and stuff. And so this is one of my picks. But I've debated over and over since I watched it. Okay, is it gonna be six or seven? I'm gonna give it seven just because of the performances are terrific in this. So, um, Brody, I want to see what you say. You watched it as a kid as well. Well, I did, and it'd been a long time since I'd watched this one as well. I too was a little bit surprised. I was holding, hoping it would hold up a little bit better. Uh, going into it, I was thinking if, I, if I'm going to hit a nine, it's going to be on one like this. But I'm with you. I'm seven. I'm probably closer to the eight than you are. I think it's a solid seven. I think that it should at least be recognizable when you mention it to somebody. Chris says it's a 12. He's never seen anything better. 
Oh, now he's drinking his pee over there. He watched Waterworld. It's last sterile, night. and yeah. I like the taste. <laughs> <laughs> About lost it on my laptop. <laughs> Chris, what say you? I say. Quit coughing. Chris, quit coughing. Yeah, so I thought that this film was much more enjoyable than I expected, but I didn't know what to expect, really, because I didn't watch anything. I didn't read anything. I just played it. And I was surprised to find out that it wasn't about space. (laughs) (laughs) So I really liked the concept. I really liked the imagination the film took and it was very creative and the acting was great. And I wasn't a giant fan of the score. It was very dated, but it had its own time. You know, I mean, that's what movies were then. The main song, what's that like main song? Lot Sam Cooke. Stuff. I think it's a Sam Cooke song that they play over and over again. Oh, well, they did the Rod Stewart song over and over again. <laughs> was it Rod Stewart or was it Sam Cooke's version? No, it was Rod Stewart. Okay. Yeah. And I did not like that song. But mm. the the score was supposedly like a lot of his greatest stuff. But it just, to me, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. But anyway, I, I, I love soundtracks and scores and, and um, paying attention to that stuff. But I wasn't a giant fan of that. But as far as the movie experience goes, uh, it didn't harm it, you know. So the the plot line did have some holes, but there was only one of them that distracted me. The rest were all after the fact, sort of analyzing. That's not the kind of thing you do when you're enjoying and experiencing something. Overall, I would implore people to see this movie. It was definitely one that was missed, missed out by the public because of some other factors, and it's worth watching. I would give this, I'm between a six and a seven two. I'm not, I would say a six, but it was a tough one. It was a tough one for me too. It was tough to choose. I think that, I think our group would all tell you, Hey, go check this film out. Go watch this film. See what you think, because it's worth seeing. And and all of us think that we think it's worth seeing. Honestly, I, I don't know. There's rare, Martin Short's got a ton of funny things he's done in his career. It's worth watching it for his facial expressions, his dancing, all the things that he does in this movie. And this is probably one of the best Dennis Quaid roles I think has ever been out there. I mean, and really he's kind of in this, this Tom Hanks, Wilson castaway role where he's by himself so much. So he has to, to own this film and, and do it alone for most of the movie. And he does a great job doing this. So absolutely, all of us would say, "Hey, give a chance, watch it, see what you think." And if you watch it, you know, come to our Facebook and just tell us what you think because I'd love to hear what you say and, and and what you guys think as well and everything. Um, probably some of you've already seen it, and if you did it, hopefully you uh, you can you can tell us we're totally wrong. It's all nines or <laughs> or you know, hey, we're terrible, and this movie's a terrible movie. Whatever you want to do. So um, that's it for us today at the Real Roundtable. Any last things we want to say? What are we watching next? Oh my gosh, I have not. No, you are undecided. I, I'm kind of undecided. I, I, but we talked about one movie tonight, and I, and I really want to I want to throw it out because I think we can watch it with our kids for the most part. There is one F-bomb in the movie, okay? But just one. But how do you guys feel about watching Adventures in Babysitting? 
I'm down. Are you good with that? It, it is one of my favorite movies as a kid. Me and my sister watched this over and over again. And so I've seen this. It's one of those movies I've seen over and over. But if you haven't seen it in a long time, this Wait, is it. You're I'm, literally picking the movie that came out the same day that this I know. One. I think that's <laughs> the I, same day. I, yeah, but it's I a like great it. film. And, and look, here's the thing. I saw both films. I saw both films like right after. But I think I saw Interspace before I saw Adventures of Babysitter. Well, now our listeners can watch both and then go, people made the wrong decision opening weekend. Yeah, let's do that. So we'll go with Adventures and Babysitting. That's a good one. Um, and so next time, so if you want to get, Which a, I clearly, get as always, I've never seen. <laughs> Chris has never seen this and everything. I have, so. I have. I've seen this one. Now, like Ash said, comments, good, bad, ugly comments yeah. or comments. We want to hear what you think. So write it down, make fun, agree, disagree, whatever you got to do. Next week's adventures in babysitting. Yeah. Yep. And if you got to pick a film, pick sometimes. <laughs> if you have a film you want us to put on the air or and watch. And, and let you know how we feel about it and send it to us. You can go to therealroundtable.com slash watch this. And just look, it's the, spell out T-H-E, therealroundtable.com. Thank y'all. Y'all have a good day. See you later. Bye.